The San Jose Sharks had a fairly busy trade deadline day. We'll break everything down, plus a signing and what it, all it means right now on Teal Town Live. Good afternoon, everyone. If you want to be part of this show, chat with us and fellow Sharks fans and, of course, hockey fans around the world on the page or the app as you're watching this. Follow us on the social, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, our Reddit page, and, of course, our Discord, and find everything at tealtownusa.com. Pleased to be joined by Ian Reed. Ian, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. We have a ticker? Like, how cool is that? <laughs> the things we, we, the, we figure the, out over the weekend. we figure out how to do, yeah. Like, I think we have a ticker. This is amazing. Right? So you'll... I, I dig it. All right. I'm, I'm over the ticker. <laughs> <laughs> the things we figure out sometimes just playing around with the Ecamm. I think I, I found it a little bit, and then I think AJ jumped on it last night with the Pucknologist. So... Uh, so everything that you will see will be up above on on the ticker. Uh, but let's get into the depth wise. I mean, the Sharks made a lot of moves uh, in this deadline day, more so than I think the Sharks really have been involved in any other trade deadline. They overall pick up three draft picks, uh, goaltending prospect, uh, somebody that's familiar to to Leafs fans, Alexander Barbanov along with uh, retaining salary on Nick Foligno and Matias Janmark. Oh, this doesn't have the updated one where we finally find out that it's uh, Nick DeSimone going to Vegas. So mm-hmm. let's begin. Um, I mean, we can quickly go over, you know, everything with, uh, with uh, you know, Dubnik and, and Patteron, uh, you know, Dubnik being the, maybe the missing piece to, uh, to the uh, Colorado Avalanche winning a cup. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's insurance in goal, right? It's a guy who can it's a guy who can play and give you quality minutes. Like he's not there to obviously be a starter. Um, it's it's insurance, and I think that when you look at like I it was it was a one year it was always going to be a one year thing with Devin Dubnik in San Jose. I don't think there was ever any. It wasn't long term because the reason you know Minnesota held cap when. Dubnik got moved to the Sharks and that cap space relief was going to go away. Um, You know, and they'd have to, and I don't think they were going to re-sign him next season. I don't know what the Sharks do in goal, but I don't think Devin Dubnik was ever going to be the long-term answer. I think they brought him in because they wanted to have another guy who they could um, They didn't want to completely um, let the wheels, you know, get completely worn down to the rim on Jones, although they say that's not going to happen going forward, and they probably will. Um, you know, Devin Dubnik, I, I just never saw him as as a long-term solution or a long-term guy for the Sharks. So moving him at the deadline, I, I it was the right move. Um, you know, was it? Was it a hit-it-out-of-the-park trade? No, but I, I don't think anything that the Sharks did tonight was like, uh, hit it out of the park it was it was good like it wasn't it wasn't I don't think it was bad but it wasn't you know it wasn't great either no I I don't I don't think it's you know a slam dunk you're getting fourths and fifths uh you know in the pick where where I don't even think we saw a f- a 
first really fly except for uh, Toronto sending Columbus a first for the Nick Felino deal. Uh, and, and I think the Tampa Detroit Bay one. Got one. Yeah. In Detroit might have gotten one at the last minute. I, on yeah, there. for the in the uh, Mantha trade, I think they got a first. I don't know, have to go take a look at that again. Right. So uh, that that happened on Saturday uh, with everything going on, and then then last night you saw Nick Felino go to Toronto from Columbus with you know a slight detour <laughs> per se salary wise to, with San Jose. Uh, the Sharks get it, Toronto's fourth round pick in this year's draft. Uh, Nick Felino goes to Toronto along with Stefan Nason, who, to kind of use some of your guys' terms on, with TTG, he was mm-hmm. a guy this year. Yeah, he 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 looked pretty promising last season, but he was more so a guy uh, for the Cuda. Uh, and then Columbus got uh, Toronto's first round pick in 2021 and a fourth round pick in 2022. Um, the Sharks retained. 25% of uh, Foligno's salary to make the deal work. Yeah, I mean, the Sharks had cap space that they weren't going to use, and so they they weaponized it, and I think it was definitely the right play. Um, you know, I know that we'll get into a thing later on where people won't be happy, but <laughs> this is what you're supposed to do, right? The Sharks absolutely should not have been buyers this deadline. Um, you have cap space if you can if you can weaponize that cap space and, and get something for nothing out of it, I mean, that's basically what they did. They took cap space that they weren't going to use and they turned it into something. Um, So great. You know, I mean, that's, that is uh, what they should have done. And I I think it's, again, like I'm not, I'm not, Oh my God, this is the best trade deadline ever, but it was, (laughs) it basically, it went according to plan. It it Mm -hmm. went basically the way it should have. No, I, I, I mean, there were there were rumors out there about maybe Kevin LeBanc going somewhere. I couldn't see that happening. But, I mean, there's there's always that you never know. But well, no, I mean, because I mean, it wouldn't be the first time the Sharks have signed, you know, signed a guy to a new deal and then almost immediately moved him. I mean, ask Devin Sevaguchi. You know. So, uh Let's get to the super chat. Grayson Hendricks, four ninety nine super chat. Thank you very much. Of course, all the donations go to help. I think that, you know, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, with with the cap being what it is, I I think he would have had a hard time finding a taker for that. And I don't think he like a lot of the cap that he's eating is for the rest of the year. Right. Right. Like, I don't I don't think there's any of these deals where we're going to be eating up cap space for a significant amount of time. Um, whereas, you know, so if you even move Kevin LeBanc and ate some cap, you still have to eat that cap for the next four years. So I don't think it was ever, um, I don't know. I, I don't believe there was ever any serious conversations about Kevin LeBanc, despite what's been reported. I just, I don't see it, but I, I just couldn't because they would need, would need to get a fairly nice haul for that to happen. And I don't mean Taylor Hall. How do you get it? Like, yeah. You know. I mean, what do you get? Because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff in the air. And honestly, it's it's more of a buyer's market. You're not going to be shipping out. I mean, you didn't, again, like I said, you're not seeing the high picks fly out of here like crazy. No. And with, I think, with some of the races being as tight, there weren't anybody to, you know, really 
be that final piece. You know, it's no no Nyquist, no Campbell or Gearn, as we've seen in the past from the Sharks. So yeah, no, I mean, and that's the Sharks aren't in that mode, and they then they shouldn't be in that mode, right? No, but I'm um, saying it overall, league wise, I mean, it didn't seem like there was like a massive one, except for maybe there was that... a couple of nice trades, but I mean, yeah, we we knew that this this year was gonna be one of those things where there wasn't gonna be much going on. It's a flat cap. The cap isn't going super super high um, anytime soon. No, like I think. I think Seattle should give it a bump. Getting butts back in seats should give it a bump, but I don't know. The problem is, is we don't know how much money they've lost over the last two years. Um, and, and, you know, and some people are like, oh, who cares how much money they lost? Like, obviously, there's more important things going on. Yes, you're right. There are more important things going on in the NHL losing money, but it has to be said. Like, it's a part of the story, right? So we don't know how much money the league has lost in the last two years. And we don't know the effect that's going to have on the cap going forward, right? So um, right now, I mean, I, I'm sure teams probably wanted to swing some bigger deals, but there was, you know, unless if you are dealing with a team that, you know, like, uh, for example, like the, the, the Mantha deal. Like, I think that, you know, if you're taking from a team that's on the bottom that has, you know, room to to sell and take on things. There wasn't a whole lot of teams with that luxury though. A lot of teams, even ones that are, you know, uh, sitting at the bottom are still, a lot of those teams are cash strapped still with the cap. I mean, a lot of teams are, and that's, the, yeah. that's the thing. And with the cap really not moving anytime soon, you got to right. figure out what you're going to, uh, how to budget. And I think that's where you're going to see where you saw a lot of these three team deals, to Absolutely. kind of make these things work, you know, it was quite interesting to see how this thing, yeah, because we thought it was going to be really, really quiet. Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't think this was super busy either. Like, I don't, I don't look at this and, you know, I think there's a little bit more going on than, than maybe we thought, but not much. Like it was a pretty lame duck trade deadline. Yeah. In my opinion, I think it's just the moves, you know, the day of it kind of, it's easy to overvalue what what happens in the day but i think if if we look back on this you know um over the next five years is this going to be a trade deadline where you go yeah this was you know this was it i don't i don't, I don't think so like i don't think this is the trade deadline we're gonna talk about going forward i mean unless taylor hall and curtis Lazar are the missing pieces to the bruins winning the cup sure. I mean, and then yeah maybe at that's that point, it yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe at that point for sure like you would see you know maybe we'll come back to it if one of those if one of those moves pays off but but other than that yeah yeah and kevin mentioning in the chat too mantha and bennett were surprising uh, yes they were because not only for not only for for being bigger moves than i expected to see um but also in, in return i thought both of those both of those players got significant returns um, considering everything going on right now. Now I know I saw Verana was a part of the deal to Detroit. Was there a first? Uh, let me bring that up quick. Here. Cause I was Have it here somewhere. Cause I saw rambling said it was a first or not. So uh, I know Bennett to, uh, to Florida got, got a nice return for Calgary in that, in that one. Uh, like we said, you know, Taylor Hall and uh, Curtis Lazar. I mean, I know a lot of people were, were 
we're trying to make fun of Buffalo, but you know, yes, it's Taylor Hall, but he hasn't exactly lit it up for Buffalo this season. Well, it's not only that. Here's here's the other problem too that I don't think um, is getting enough uh, discussion around it is the fact that Taylor Hall controlled his destination. Right. Taylor Hall has a no movement clause. So if he didn't go, he didn't have to go anywhere. And I think when a player has that kind of power on a one-year deal, expiring contract, like that really, I, I know Buffalo's going to get taken to the woodshed for this. And, you know, for the way that that team has been managed over the last little bit, probably deservedly so. I don't think they did terrible for this considering that taylor hall ultimately controlled his destination ultimately could have said now nah, you know what i'll just wait till i'm a free agent in summer and i'll go where i want then like the return wasn't good but like he had them over like boston probably had buffalo over a barrel yeah and and to, to see that and then and then uh washington Acquires Anthony Mantha from Detroit for Panic Vrana, a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Wow. And that was kind of like the last deal that happened at the deadline there. Uh, yeah. It's like, that's crazy. Um, I know everyone talks about like Doug Wilson's a trading wizard, but man, he has nothing on Steve Eiserman. <laughs> Like, like Steve Eiserman has pulled some just ridiculous trades over his tenure. I mean, yeah, if the Caps win the Cup, I mean, more power to you. But to me, that's kind of a fleece. It, it's it's mean, a nice haul for Detroit, for sure. Yeah. So we'll move on uh, to the, the, the first trade the Sharks made this morning. Uh, they traded uh, Frederick Clayson over to the Tampa Bay Lightning for a goaltender. Oh boy. This this might trigger Kevin Lacey calling me any moment now. Uh Magnus Corona, uh you know, goaltending prospect who played for uh Denver University uh this this uh past season, seven eleven uh record, uh decent over nine hundred save percentage. Uh and a and a big guy too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, the thing is, the, the, the really cool thing here with this trade, I, I, I like this move. Um, I, I, I think a lot of people aren't, you know, they'll look at his, look at a lot of his, like his, some of his numbers in Europe and go, well, what the hell? Um, the thing that I see when I look at this um, thing is this is a guy who's been playing on their, you know, um, for his, for his for his uh, European club, like he's been playing, he plays on he's played games on his on their junior twenty team when he was like seventeen, um, which I think is you know really good. You don't get to do that if you're not um, that great. Uh, he had a really good uh, freshman season in the University of Denver, nine two zero save percentage, nothing to scoff at there uh, in twenty seven games. Um, this year, down year a little bit. Yeah, he his save percentage went up. Is here uh, sorry is Goals against average went up. Save percentage came down. Um, also, should be stated though, a down year for the the University of Denver program as well. Right. Um, I, you know what? I like this. I, I think you know the guy is. I think he's what turning twenty one this year. So, 
uh, as far as goalie goes, yeah, I think he's, I think he's just turning 21. Uh, he'll turn 21 in August. Um, so I mean, for, for a guy at that, um, decent numbers, uh, huge, um, fits the, fits the mold of the, of your NHL prospect goalie, right? Like six, you know, six foot 400 and 200 pounds, like big, big dude. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting move. Um, am, am I like, you know, am I going to say, oh, this is going to be his, you know, this, this is the new guy. This is going to be the guy. I don't know, but, um, it's an interesting guy to roll the dice on. And he still has the, the, you know, the, the Barracuda do kind of have a, a goalie log jam, but he has two years left of, uh, college hockey. Should he choose to, to go that route? Right. Um, so I think, you know, it's it's hard with goalies because, you know, I, I know that the, the, the Sharks, like, they don't have, you know, I don't think a lot of teams have, like, a ton of prospect goalies. Because the problem with having a ton of prospect goalies is you got to find places for them to play. Um, so I know some people are, are a little underwhelmed right now when they look, and I think people have written off Melnichuk really, really quick, and I don't think that's fair. I don't know if, if Yosef Kozanash is going to be the guy you know, is going to be an NHL guy, but you know, at, at the some point you have to have places for these guys to play. So I like this move because this is a guy who's going to have two years of college eligibility left um, and, and then see where it goes from there. And hopefully, you know, he can return to, he can return to form from his, from his fresh, you know, back to the form that he had in his freshman season. I, I think there's a lot to like here. Um, is this, you know, is this the goalie of the future? I don't know, but I, it's for, you know, for, for getting a, for getting a guy like this for Cleason, I think it's a good move. Like, you know, Frederick Cleason at this point, he's a, he's, you know, he's a, he's a journeyman guy. He's 28. Right. Um, so to get, you know, to get a decent, uh, goaltending prospect for, you know, a guy who's pretty much going to be a, a, a NHL tweener at best is it's a, it's a nice piece of work. I think. Yeah. I, I always nice to have the, uh, competition going i mean dubnik let's see was was a uh, filler to get the guys um some marinating in the barracuda uh now it's time for them to show up and everything so uh we move onward and we will bring in uh lacy to, to break it break out the uh departure of nick de simone um but of course, if you're new here, thanks for watching us. Hit that subscribe button. It really does go a long way. Appreciate each and every one of you on this one. But now to the interesting trade of the day, I think, for the Sharks, as they quote-unquote help the Vegas Golden Knights, per se, with uh, acquiring uh, Matthias Janmark from Chicago. I mean, so you get that, and... Um, and you wonder why are you helping things out uh, as we? Because it's a business. It is a business. <laughs> <laughs> you you right? Because uh, it's a business, right? But, like, yeah. And, and to and to have it uh, to quote Doug Wilson on the on the call that happened less than an hour ago, uh, you know, quote: "If we didn't help Vegas, five other teams would have." I'd rather we get that pick instead of a rival. So, uh, please. Yeah, be... Like you, you, you do what you do for your team. Like I, I, I understand. Look at, I hate Vegas as much as the next sharks fan, but 
it's a business. And if you're going to take advantage of your cap space, you don't vote, well, well not for you, bud. Like, the Vegas is not going to do it. Like, the Sharks are no threat to Vegas winning the cup. And the player that they acquired, is that going to be their, you know, it's it, it's a guy that is going to fill in nice on their team, but it's not, he's not Mark Stone. Like, he's not going to be the reason they win the cup. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it um, until Yanmark, you know, gets the cup winning goal for Vegas. <laughs> then you can at me if you right. want. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding around, but honestly, you know, uh, the Sharks get a, get Buffalo's uh, fifth round pick in 2022, which of course, uh, you know, is like a high fourth. Maybe we'll see. Uh, Chicago got uh, Vegas's second round pick, and then Vegas's third round pick in the 2022 draft. While uh, Vegas acquires Yanmark, uh, 2022 fifth rounder from Chicago, and longtime Barracuda defenseman Nick DeSimone, and that's where we bring in Kevin Lacey on this one. Uh, Kevin, is it just kind of a sending them a, a, a piece to make sure we're under 50 contracts, or, or was there some interest for Nick DeSimone to get him into uh, Vegas or and or Henderson? That's an interesting question that I have not had the time to look into as far as the roster count goes. But uh, a lot of moves like this, like the the Greg Patteron move that we discussed over the weekend, um, you do see teams where you'll say, geez, seems like they overpaid by adding an extra player. But sometimes teams need to move bodies off the roster. And, and uh, this, this might be the case. Also with Nick DeSimone, uh, a player who I do think has improved over this season on the uh, the in the reef that got washed out with Nick Nolenberger. We talked about how Nick DeSimone has probably been the best defenseman for the Barracuda throughout the season so far. So I'd say his trade value uh, is a little helped by that. But still, you're looking at a player who the Sharks probably are looking at and saying, we don't see an NHLer there or we don't see enough upside and he's going to be a restricted free agent again after the year, if I'm not mistaken. So you run into a category, a, a territory where the Sharks may not have even considered bringing him back next year anyway. So he becomes a sweetener in, in the deal. You know, if, if you're trying to facilitate um, cap space just to absorb assets like draft picks in this, this particular case, and the Barracuda, you know, they're they're competing for a playoff spot. But at the same time, let's remember that the Barracuda are here to serve the Sharks. So yeah. it, with, the, with the number of bodies that the Sharks uh, organization has active in, in all positions, pretty much, it does hurt from a Barracuda standpoint to lose Nick DeSimone. But overall... You know, they, they got a draft pick that potentially could exceed to Simone's ceiling. And especially at his age as well. Um, that comes into comes into play there, too. Yeah, I think because this is what I like. I tweeted out basically along these lines. Like DeSimone was a guy like Kevin, you'll, you can attest to this. DeSimone was a guy I was really bullish on when the Sharks acquired him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, at this point, like he's he's plateaued. He, he should be on the team at this point if he continued on the trajectory that we thought he was on. 
and he's been continuously passed uh, on the depth chart. And, and and to your point, Ian, at the start of the year, DeSimone came out flying, looked great, because we thought, oh, he's a taxi squad guy for sure, and then he mm-hmm. wasn't. And he started the season with the Barracuda, and he played phenomenal for them in the first couple of games, got called back up to the taxi squad, but they obviously didn't think of him well enough to push him any further. He saw no NHL action and got sent back to the Barracuda again. So Yeah, like with, with Vlasic being injured, obviously Nizev's uh, situationed himself really nicely with the team, but, you know, Nick Simone was a guy who, in my opinion, when in his first couple of seasons with the organization, like he should be a guy that should... Like, especially in an injury situation like they have right now, he should be the guy cracking that lineup, and he's not. Yeah, and with Nick Malosh and Nikolai Kanizhov both uh, basically passing him on the depth chart, and then you've got, well, the Sharks had Clayson, who's now basically Greg Patteron. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jake Middleton has been playing improved, uh, or shown improved play lately that he could eventually be considered for a taxi squad role again. Does Simone at, at some point you just need to move on? And I think it's the same thing with like Auntie Suomela in the trade with Barabanov, where at some point you know what you have, but if it's not going to get you there, make the change and see if maybe De Simone does better with Henderson. Maybe Suomela sure. does better with Toronto. Maybe Barabanov does better with San Jose. You know, one of these things where you you're not expecting much more so flip the switch and see if the light turns on yeah you can see who you got you can get out and maybe give you know doug has always said you know try, try to move somebody to give them a chance at being successful elsewhere that could yep. be what what it was especially uh to answer my question earlier in rm lowry you beat me to it uh the sharks have 45 contracts uh signed okay. with the team I, so so yeah. that wasn't an issue per hand yeah this is a sweetener thing yeah so you have that you have also uh you know the the last trade uh which was uh alexander barabanov going from toronto to san jose with auntie suomela being sent to the leafs or probably most likely to the marlies to the marlies this, yeah in this case um I, you kind of said something on our in our Twitter DMs beforehand. It's kind of the the Spider Man pointing at each other meme. Yeah, yeah. That's to me. That's exactly what this is. This is a change of scenery for both guys. These are guys that um, both did really well. Uh, you know, they they both did really well in Europe, and they came over, um, and it hasn't worked out for them like many had hoped it would. I think when I was looking at um, when I was looking through Leafs Twitter, I think the reaction was, you know, a lot of the people who I think really like Suomela and, you know, uh, uh, from Sharks Twitter, it was very similar reaction to the Barbanov uh, from the Leafs uh, side of things. Um, I think they're both guys that are, I think they're both really talented. I think they just weren't, again, you know, it goes back to guys who should have been able to, um, be on the roster at this point and they've never you know they've never made it past whether it's because you know you 
dislike the coaching staff or it's something they've done or whatever you know the thing is you can have all the talented players you want you still have to have you know still have to have the coach that wants to put you in the lineup and I think that um this team you know it's it's kind of a fresh start for for both players yeah and that's like again you know fresh starts what we needed I mean Barabanov I know was was fairly touted uh when talking to Leafs Twitter uh mm-hmm. and and and, and- I think he was a player who was linked to the Sharks before he ultimately signed with the Maple Leafs. I might be just out there on that, but I feel like that was something that I saw a couple years or what last year. Uh, last year, yeah. And for that matter, I mean, Doug hit home runs with Melker Carlson and Jonas Donskoy. I think Sue Mel was kind of that third one that he was hoping would cash in, and, and unfortunately, never really. Um, panned out for uh, Doug Wilson in that one. Uh, so again, to to reiterate everything that that has gone down, uh, the Sharks get three giraffe picks: uh, goaltending prospect Magnus Corona uh, and Alexander Barabanov, uh, along with uh, having retained salary on Nick Foligno and Matinis Janmark. Uh, they lose Devin Dubnik, Stefan Nason, Frederick Clayson. Auntie Sumella and of course defenseman Nick DeSimone. And and guys, you know, for for the cases of Sulamella, Dubnik, Nason, and Clayson, outside the fifth round pick, and I think what was there another seventh round pick for Dubnik, they didn't lose anything when they picked up these guys. They gained them and then Doug Wilson moved them and got something back for them. I mean I, I that's a big plus in my in my mind. I I completely agree because even I was going to bring it up anyway, so I'm glad you did, Eric. The trade that facilitated Yanmark going to Vegas, it does kind of it makes you wonder. Well, was the fifth round pick worth losing to Simone? Yeah, you probably could say that, but still, um, when it's all said and done, like the Krona deal that you talked about earlier. I don't expect the world out of Krona, but Krona does have a very high ceiling. He's got a very mm-hmm. low floor, but he does have a very high ceiling. Yes. <laughs> and that's a that's a trade where Frederick Clayson's a guy who no teams made contract offers for. He wasn't in training camp. The Sharks signed him after training camp was over. Mm-hmm. So they basically picked up Clayson for nothing and turned it into Krona and a pick. That easily offsets the addition of DeSimone in that, that fifth rounder to facilitate Yanmark. I think from a net positive standpoint, the the Sharks had a good day or had a good yeah. weekend. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, is it like a, a lot of people, you know, are probably hoping for bigger moves, like obviously like, you know, high picks for guys off the roster. But I think for what they did, they did well. Like I don't. I don't look at this as a, you know, this isn't to me a failure at all. Like it's, is it, is it, you know, like I said earlier, is it something we're going to come back in five years and go, wow, this was such an amazing deadline? No, probably not. But I, I think for what they did, they did well. Yeah. Um, and also I want to throw in guys, we accumulated a few draft picks there. Well, we, was it like two fourths and two fifths? I, I, I missed the graphic, oh, but it something was, along those lines. it was uh one fourth in 2021, 
one fifth in 2021 and then one fifth in 2022. Okay. But we know Doug Wilson's history on draft day is to package picks and move up or Mm -hmm. trade picks and move down for packages. You know, he there's a lot of draft pick fluctuation on draft weekend. Yeah. So you might look at a fourth and two fifths and get a third out of that at some point or or package a fourth. We already have with, a you know, when it's all said and done, the Shirks got the equivalent of maybe a third round pick and it, a, a goalie who I don't mind adding for all that, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's definitely when, when you look at, you know, guys to roll the dice on, I think that was a good player to roll the dice on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so- and with, and with goaltending, I mean, Amon, Amon's a big goalie. Mm-hmm. He, Remember on Teal Tinted Glasses, we weren't so thrilled with that draft pick, Ian. Nope. And he did have a very good year, won the Memorial Cup as a backup. But I still think that was more indicative on the team than the goaltending because Amon has not really done much of anything. Yeah. And I don't see more than an ECHL goalie out of him. So wow. that's why you bring in a guy like Krona, especially considering Krona is six foot six. Sachenko, who was signed today, is six feet, maybe. Kojanash is six. I think he's listed as six two. That's a stretch. You know, like <laughs> the Sharks have no. They lost Dubnik, and they have Amon for what it's worth. But they really don't have any sizable goalies in the system. So that's another thing with Krona. He brings a different dynamic than what the goalies we already have have. Yeah, uh, just to just to further um, what Kevin's saying, last year uh, Zachary Amon had a in fifty three games out of three sixteen and a nine oh eight, which is in the queue. It's okay. Q stats, yeah, <laughs> Q stats. But um, this year, um, I don't have his overall, but in twenty one games, he's been below eight eight eighty. Yikes. Uh, and that's which, as an overage goalie. And that's as yeah, and that's as an overage goalie. That's that is tough, uh, tough sledding. Um, now, with the signing of Sachenko, do you you think he's kind of a placeholder to be in the taxi squad for the team? Uh, so that way, one does play in the CUDA, one does play as a or is the backup for the Sharks, just to have that mentality. Of, oh crap! Just in case. Uh, I hate yeah. using that term, but. Yes, that's that's exactly what happens. Ian <laughs> is happening. Ian, go ahead. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, just basically, yeah, what, what Kevin said, right? I mean, you had to have a guy. Guy has to be on an NHL contract to be on the taxi squad. Right. And Sachenko's going to be that guy, which is unfortunate for him. I mean, good for him because he's going to make some money off the deal, obviously. Um, but also, you know, but also unfortunate that he's, you know, he's really just holding that spot down so that they can send Kozanash and Melnichuk up and down without really disrupting anything else. But the thing of it also is Sachenko can still learn from being around NHL players and have an NHL coaching staff helping him as a, you know, and, you know, I mentioned it with Kozanash, how bringing in Danny Sabrin brings a different perspective uh, of, of goaltending mentality this year, which I think really helped him. And I know that he worked on his game in the off season, but, I don't know how much Zach Salchenko has worked with Evgeny Nabokov 
uh, over the past couple of years. Well, last year he did because Navi was the goalie coach for the Barracuda. But this year, I think it, it does help him because I think Sochenko really thrived under Nabokov last year. Mm-hmm. Hasn't gotten hardly any playing time this year. Uh, which is why he probably becomes the de facto placeholder on the taxi squad. But still, I think there is benefit to him because even if he doesn't end up with the Sharks, I think that he could get himself a contract with another team that gives him more opportunity. You know, for for the Sharks, it serves right now. For Sochenko, I think long-term, this move helps him. You know? Yeah, especially for a team without an ECHL affiliate, like they, they have an absolute logjam of goaltending. Yeah. Uh, so, to quickly, because I know Kevin, you got to get back to work, but uh, oh, yeah. you have, yeah, I know. Uh, I got 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> we got time. No, but honestly, guys, uh, we saw the Sharks draft nine forwards, nine, I believe, nine in last year's draft. Yep. You have now a plethora of goaltenders. Um, what are you doing? I mean, I know it's really early, and and I know the draft isn't as as expecting to be as as populous with prospects uh, this it's year. It's not a deep draft this year at all. Yeah. So, what do the Sharks go after? Do the do they do they kind of go pick here and there with forwards and defensemen, or or are they getting picks to get picks to make like like Kevin said, maybe package them up and get move up i i I think you you just i i I don't think you draft for position like i think drafting for position is a is a fool's errand um i think you just you know you you have guys you like and then you use your assets in order to get those guys whether you know like you said earlier about moving you know moving up or down uh and trying to maximize you know try and get as many guys off your board as you possibly can um i think that's what the goal should be um they're they're prospects right i mean look i you know a lot of people will say oh well you know none of these guys are going to turn out well you know there's a finite number of nhl jobs and how many people are drafted every year like yeah most of them aren't going to make it joe Joe pavelski had no chance as a seventh round pick right right and i mean look nabby was a later Round pick, I fact, if I'm not mistaken, and tell me if oh, I'm yeah. wrong, guys. Ninth round. ninth round, and you know that that ninth round doesn't exist anymore. No, so. <laughs> it's, it's seven rounds, but but even still, like there's there's a finite number of jobs, right? So I mean, you know, the glass half full is like, well, most of these guys aren't going to make it. That's that's fair, but you want to put yourself in a position to to get as many guys that are on your board as possible. And then you hope that you can develop and that they can develop themselves. And, you know, you get a couple of players out of it. That's, that's the end goal. Right. Uh, so there was a media call with Doug Wilson earlier. Uh, some of the things he mentioned, uh, some of the quotes, uh, by the time we get to the draft, I wouldn't be surprised if we have 10 picks. I don't know how many there are right now. Uh, we've explored a lot of things, but we're trying to win now also. He was saying, and we're trying to compete this season. We're trying to make the playoffs. If there was a fair deal that would have gotten us a player for now and, and the future, we would have done it. Um, of course, with all this happening and everything, uh, the one name you didn't hear was Patrick Marlowe. And that means Patrick Marlowe will be a shark uh, when he breaks the record Monday night in Las Vegas. Uh, and Doug Wilson going on saying, 
we're excited to see Marlo break the record as a shark. Uh, also provided some updates saying that uh, Matt Nieto is back skating and we expect him back in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've missed him as a player. And I think Bob Bugner even mentioned Vlasic was, uh, was skating again and his target date is Friday. So... It is amazing to me how Doug Wilson is like the master of seeing which way the wind's blowing and then making a statement. Um, he's like, he's the master of it. Like he says nothing all the time. Like he just, he's made a career out of saying nothing. It's amazing. <laughs> I think with Patrick Marlowe, you know, I, I, I did say over the weekend that I did not expect him to uh, be traded because for, for me, I think if there was interest around the league, I think Doug Wilson would have pulled the trigger because he, you know, he's, I think he reads the writing on the wall and knows that this team needs to plan for the future here. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't see, unlike the last couple of years with Marlowe, where he had more in the tank, this year I didn't see Marlowe approaching Doug Wilson and saying, I want to go win a cup. I think Patrick Marlowe is just happy to still be playing in the league and, and, and playing every night. And the Sharks are giving that to him. So mm -hmm. I don't think from, from the Marlowe standpoint, you know, I think he knew his time was, was last two years or last three years or whatever. And it didn't happen for him. So I think again, Wilson would have facilitated it if it, if there was something to be had there. But I also think, if Marcus Sorensen had any interest around the league, he would have been gone before yeah. Marlowe. Or and there so. and, and Elliot Friedman mentioned on on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night that there was some interest in Curtis Gabriel. Uh, so I don't know why. Like going back to like NHL GMs are stupid. I tweeted this earlier. It's like, <laughs> I don't know why. Like why would you? Why would anyone want Curtis Gabriel? Every team has multiple of those guys already in their system. Without the sideshow. Yeah. Uh, currently, the Sharks, per cap friendly, which is per uh, Felix, have eight picks this year. They have a first, a third, two fourths, two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. Uh, so they do have eight picks. So eight Doug picks. Wilson looking for two more to get in, to get in there for sure. So. Uh, I think that'll do it for us in case you missed anything and I want to check this out again, check us out on dealtownusa.com or your favorite podcatcher, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, oh, get away from here. Uh, why? It is the trade deadline recap. <laughs> yes, it is the trade deadline recap. Uh, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, of course, always available at tealtownusa.com. So, uh, as I bring it, well, no, there went Kevin. Ah, there he is. Hear me? I can oh. hear you. Now. <laughs> so, uh, as, as we wrap things up here, guys, uh, overall, uh, there's a quick look at everything that's transpired for the sharks as well. Uh, guys, oh, final thoughts, uh, Kevin, I'll begin with you. Uh, overall, uh, a decent day, not like an outstanding day. It's, we're not we're not playing the parade down Santa Clara Street, uh, but a decent day for the Sharks. I think this day is is going to be important. Maybe not. We may not realize it for a while. We may not realize it at all. But <laughs> I think that this day 
could go somewhere. It's not going to go downward. I see no negative aspects about this day whatsoever. I, I, I don't think we're going to be crying be, if the Barracuda failed to miss the playoff or failed to make the playoffs because they lost Nick to Simone. They have plenty of players who can step into that role. I don't think the Sharks are going to miss the playoffs because they traded Devin Dubnik uh, or Frederick Clayson. Like, I think the assets they got are fine. And the Sharks had a lot of movement. Like overall, they did, they were Doug Wilson was a lot busier than at least putting pen to paper a lot yeah. busy or sending those faxes in or however they do it now. <laughs> he was pretty busy. So, uh, for the for the for the people who chastise Doug Wilson and say he doesn't do enough, I thought he did fine. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely echo what Kevin said. Um, you know, again, is is Nick DeSimone going to turn around and be a Norris defenseman in, in two years? No, it's fine. Like, guys, you know, like, I like, I like Nick DeSimone. Don't get me wrong. Me too. But he's a guy. Yeah. He's another guy in the guy factory. Um, so, I, you did good. Like, he did good. Um, I, I thought... Everything he did today was fine. Uh, you know, again, is it, it is it blow your socks off good? No, but it wasn't bad. Like I'm not, I'm not disappointed by any of it. Like I, I think it you 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 did more than I thought they were gonna do. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely uh, success, successful trade deadline. I think for for the Sharks getting rid of you know move, making moves that they could make. I think. You know, like you said earlier, like they said earlier, like if if Suomela or not Suomela, sorry, if uh, Sorensen or or Marlowe had takers, they'd be gone. But they probably didn't. And that's fine. Just like Melker Carlson last year. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Another guy. Yep. You know, um, I think if there was I think Doug Wilson, if someone called on a guy, Doug Wilson was listening. So. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't think, you know, some people chastise, oh, well, Sorensen's not gone, Marlowe's not gone, whatever. You have to have a, you have to have a trade partner. So I think all things that are, all things considered, it was, it was a good deadline. Well, amazing? No, but it was good. And that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. And they still need to fill out the lineup for the rest of this season and potentially the playoffs. So keeping Sorensen around, keeping Marlowe around still serves a purpose. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so quickly as I go, uh, Kevin's at Kevin Lacey 22 on Twitter. Ian's at Ian blogs hockey on Twitter. I'm at puck guy 14. Ian, I'll ask you this and I'll and follow it up. Kevin, I want who won the deadline because that's a cheesy thing you have to ask. And then oh. it's the deadline. So right now who's playing in the cup final? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, sellers <laughs> won the deadline. Sellers absolutely won the deadline, and I think they usually do. Um, I, I know that's really broad, but I mean, look at the return for that Calgary got. Look at the return that Detroit got. Sellers win always. Kevin? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking through the trades, all the trades here. I mean, I, I do think Detroit won. Getting, getting what they got for Mantha. I mean, Mantha... The Red Wings are rebuilding. Mm -hmm. So, and Mantha's prime, Mantha's about to start hitting his prime. So, and the Red Wings are nowhere close to competing while Mantha's in his prime. So, right. you might as well move him and get some future assets, which they did. Yakov Vrana 
is a really good player who has had problems with the coach in Washington. So I wasn't surprised Brana went. Um, so the, he gets a fresh start in Detroit along with two picks and Richard Panic. Um, so I think, you know, after already moving Patrick Nemeth and John Merrill over the last couple of days, Detroit's a winner. I think Toronto's a winner. Uh, I love Nick Foligno. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny to me, guys. I'll try and keep this short. But uh, this season, last season, and even for me going into this season, I questioned the character that the Maple Leafs had. They brought in Thornton and Simmons, and I said, what's that going to do? It's made a lot <laughs> of difference for them. It really yeah. has. And so to add Nick Foligno, who is another all-character, talented player, and Ben Hutton, the, I don't know if you guys heard the interview Ben Hutton had, who's a depth defenseman, but my God, was that guy excited to be traded to the Maple Leafs. And that's what you want. You want good, positive culture going in, especially in to the Toronto market. So I, I think, think Toronto, like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Kevin. Yeah. I, I think if you're Toronto, you have to put all your chips in because next year, like next year, you have to assume things are going back to normal, which means Tampa's and Florida are coming back into your division. You have like this is the year to put your to push all your chips in if you're Toronto. It seems really crazy to say that because they're still nice. such a young team. Total sense. But like this is the year you do it, right? Yeah. And Toronto's stacked and it's ready to go. I mean, push all the right pieces. You're in round three. I mean, because of everything, it's going to be reseeded. So you don't know who you could be playing. You could be playing Vegas. You could be playing Boston. You could be playing Tampa. You know, right, but you're not going to play Boston in the first round. Exactly. You're not going to play Tampa in the first round, right? Like, that's the difference. Like, this is why, if you're Toronto, you push all your chips in this year. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I I, I hesitated. I know I picked Washington as my preseason uh, pick to win the Cup, not just represent the East. I do think Toronto is making a very strong case for it. Uh, I'll say my... Right now, Toronto and Colorado. Uh, that's kind of where I'm going with Toronto and Colorado, indeed. I'm, I'm going to lose myself some followers. I still, I, I, I really think, like, I don't know. They do have Peter DeBoer behind the bench, but I, man, Vegas still scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I, I should have done the landy earlier. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> For Ian and Kevin, I'm... Uh, I'm Eric. We'll be back with you tonight for Teal Town After Dark following the Sharks and the Ducks. Uh, That's a 730 game. So I'll try to rest my voice in the meantime. And until then, keep it real. Keep it teal. Keep it real teal. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you tonight following Sharks and Ducks on After Dark.